Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Live Mike is the name of this show here you're listening to, and I'm grateful to you for listening. Uh, there's a lot on today's program. We're going to cover a lot of ground. We're going to stick to the topic of firearms right now, specifically a piece of legislation that we first heard of uh, out of Representative Steve Handy. He, for a number of years, has been working on uh, what they call a red flag bill, uh, and that is very basically if someone demonstrates uh, either a risk to themselves or others that uh, depending on the, the specifics of the legislation, you would then be able to, if you were a family member uh, or a law enforcement officer, uh, bring a petition to a judge to take away that individual's firearms uh, until a, a hearing was able to be convened and, and all was sorted out. Anyway, uh, and many folks believe uh, that this is an important step towards uh, addressing uh, some, of this, uh, some of this violence that folks inflict on one another and themselves, uh, often using Firearms, of course. Well, that effort from Representative Handy, uh, he has at least made it known that he is uh, no longer going to be pushing that. And I read this morning as I cracked open the paper that Senator Todd Weiler is going to pick it up over in the Senate. And he joins us now. Senator, sir, how are you? Good. Thank you, Lee. Let me ask you straight out. Why get involved in this issue? (laughs) I guess it's because I'm going to go out for punishment. So (laughs) since that Tribune article came out, I've gotten about 25 emails my office that I that I'm not upholding the Constitution that I swore to protect. So, um, but I I don't believe that's true. So, tell us why that's the case. Well, I I mean I'm I'm a strong defender of the Second Amendment, um, and I always have been. My voting record shows that. Um, I first started getting interested in this issue a couple of years ago after one of our many mass shootings when I heard. The head of the, uh, of the NRA say that uh, the NRA would support a uh, a reasonable red red flag bill, and you know, there's, these are also called extreme risk protective orders. Right. Um, and so I thought, oh, that's great. You know, the NRA's, you know, they're going to put their muscle behind something reasonable. Well, I've since found out that that's not true in every single state where a red flag bill has been proposed, including Utah. The NRA sends out. Uh, an army of lobbyists to to try to kill the bill and threaten the lawmakers who run the bills. But um, I, I do think that this is an important issue, and I do think you know Utah is one of the top five states in suicide rates, and I do think that it's time that we we look at maybe you know addressing that in some ways. And the access to firearms is a is a big part of that. Are there any substantive differences between? your piece of legislation now and what Representative Handy was working on? Yeah, mine's still being drafted, uh, but it'll be different than Representative Handy's bill. I'm trying to take more of a, a middle-line approach, and that would be maybe to have family members go to law enforcement and kind of make their case why they think a certain relative is in danger of harming himself or others or herself or others, and then have law enforcement screen that, and if they think that there's a meritorious case to be made, then they would uh, actually be the ones to petition the court for a, a, an extreme risk protective order. So just uh, putting in that additional step, so you know, maybe filtering out if it's just a, 
a, a disgruntled spouse or ex-spouse trying to punish, you know, somebody, something like that. Because that's one of the major arguments I've right. heard against the red flag um, legislation. You'll, you'll be hard pressed to find, uh, you know, Second Amendment advocates and gun rights folks uh, finding any way to support these types of legislation. But as I have had my conversations with folks, and I'm a, I'm a Second Amendment guy, right? I enjoy yeah. firearms as a hobby and all and that the, the distinction between your bill and representative handies is the only place where i have been able to hear out of folks second amendment folks uh, find any uh, ability to to even consider accepting uh, or getting behind a, a measure and it is if law enforcement uh, is the sole individual or, or a member of the law enforcement uh, community they're the ones who are empowered to petition these judges uh, as opposed to, you know, say an ex-girlfriend who lived with you for six months or so yeah. who may be a little yeah. disgruntled. And, and you know, protective orders, protective order, if those are issued, uh, you know, because of a threat of violence, uh, they also take away your gun rights. I think as a lawyer, I, I've lived that with some of my clients, but a lot of people don't realize when the NRA talks about, oh, my goodness, due process, this is already happening in Utah every week uh, where someone gets a protective order against someone and the person against whom the protective order is issued, they, they cannot possess their guns until the protective order is dropped. I have one more question to ask you on this issue, and then I want to shift gears uh, pretty dramatically over to vice presidential debates. Uh, but last uh, question I have for you on this issue. I have over the past little while been paying attention to this uh, kind of movement going across the country dealing with Second Amendment sanctuaries. Uh, in Uinta County, the commission out there moved to make their own county the first in the state of Utah, which would uh, disallow the enforcement of laws uh, which they deem to be in violation of the Second Amendment. Uh, and, and I've asked specifically if these red flag laws uh, are considered a violation of the Second Amendment. So I'll ask you, what message do you have for these commissioners uh, or the folks who are supporting these types of movements uh, around Utah? And I can tell you, I've spoken to a number of commissioners around Utah who are in the midst of, of putting in place either resolutions or ordinances to this effect right now. Well, I've been on a city council, and my, my heart goes out to those in local government. They're the closest to the people, and I try to respect and honor them. Um, but And I don't, I don't want to sound arrogant or condescending, but people forget the states are the ones that created the federal government, and the states are the ones that created the local cities and counties. And so all, all of the power, all the inherent power under our system of government, our Constitution, is really reserved to the states. It's not reserved to the counties, not reserved to the cities. It's not reserved to the federal government. So it all starts and ends with the states. And so as a state lawmaker, you know, I, I think that sometimes a gentle reminder is uh, is an order. I mean, cities have the powers that the state has delegated to it, not vice versa. Counties have the powers that the state has delegated to it, not vice versa. Very good. We have about 90 seconds left to talk about the second topic. I'm sorry the time got away from us, but it has no, to do fine. has to do with the vice presidential debate, which has been uh, awarded to the state of Utah and the University of Utah. It's coming up in October, I think October 3rd, if I get the dates right. Uh, that costs money. Yeah. You are behind an effort to get some of that uh, debate funded. Talk yeah, to us about so that. Yeah, so it's the security. There's requirements from the federal government. You know, we don't want our candidates, our vice presidential candidates, under threat of assassination or something. So there's a lot of expenses of security. But make no mistake, Lee, this is a mini Olympics for Utah. We're going to have the eyes of the world. We're going to fill up all of our hotel rooms. We're going to fill up all of our restaurants. We're going to make this money back in folds uh, that we're, we're investing into this special event. Th- that was going to be my next question. Do we expect to make the money back? I think the headline right now is, oh, I, oh my I gosh, this so, big yeah. giant price and tag. It's, it's free advertising for Utah, for our ski resorts, and for our Red Rock recreational areas. I think it'll be a great day for the state. And, 
you know, this is the only vice presidential debate this year. It's the only debate in the West. So this is going to be a very big deal. Any opposition here? Is there any chance we're not going to be able to pay this bill? Yeah, the opposition I hear is, hey, let let the political parties pay for it. But um, it's really it's really too expensive for a couple private, you know, volunteer organizations to come up with that kind of money. Yeah, uh, Senator Todd Waller, sir, I'm grateful to you for joining me on the program today. Thank you, Lee. We're going to continue this conversation about the vice presidential debate. I want to talk uh, about who I predict will be participating. It's not a foregone conclusion, you know, either side of the deal. Uh, We have no idea who will be on the Democrat side. I'm going to walk through a little bit of history that teaches us that we may not necessarily know who will be participating on the Republican side. Uh, Smart money may be on Mike Pence. But there's an outside chance it's not him. We're going to talk about that and analyze and we'll look back at history. That's all coming up next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.